Romans 10, verses 14 to 21. Y'all have it? Okay, did you notice in your uh, bulletin the title of the message? Beautiful feet. Now to me, that sounds like an oxymoron. Jumbo shrimp. Pretty ugly. Responsible drinking. Microsoft works. <laughs> Senate Intelligence Committee. Okay. Um, to my mind at least, beautiful doesn't really belong in front of the word feet. Maybe stinky feet. Ugly feet. One word, big old feet. But according to Paul, every believer in this room can have beautiful feet. Actually, according to Paul, every believer in this room should have beautiful feet. Not by pedicure, but by preaching. Yep. Did you all know that you're called to be preaching? Look at verse 15. Paul is quoting Isaiah 52. It says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, before we get started too far here, I want to just share with you some neat stories real quick on some good-looking feet in our congregation. Um, Lee and Heather Fox, most of you guys know them, and Lisa and I, we went to a home this last week and we prayed for a sweet lady uh, that she'd be healed of cancer. And along the way, we also preached the gospel. Uh, For my part, I just shared about how Jesus lived a perfect life to swap out for mine and to make me justified, justified. As if I'd never sinned. Right? So at least this week, Lee and Heather and Lisa and me, we got some snappy looking feet. Um, Jeremy and Jamie, the codlesses, um, they have been sharing with their neighbors. And truly, God is doing some awesome stuff, some great stuff in their neighborhood. The codlesses have some snappy looking feet. Little Chloe codlets, I think Jeremy shared with you a couple weeks ago. She'll just go up in the middle of a park. She'll take her Bible and just plop down beside somebody and say, Can I read my Bible for you? And she's just so cute. Nobody's going to say, Hey, get away from me with that Bible, kid. (laughs) Chloe's got some snappy looking feet. And Ray and Carol and Philip and Sherry. Dick shared with me this morning of a just a really great opportunity that he had to, to just do something nice for someone and he, he could see that that person understood it was the love of God. There's a whole bunch of people in here who have some snappy looking feet. And, and maybe even this week you tried to share the gospel and, and you felt like you maybe failed it. Like, like you didn't do it right. It doesn't say we have to do it well. It just says, how beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel. See, I'm excited because I hear more and more, just as we we prayed that God would do this, and we're praying, and He he is doing it. I'm hearing more and more stories of people with beautiful feet. Spiritually, of course, right? You can all keep your shoes on. You don't have to prove anything here. But can I ask you, how about you? Do you have... Feet that are beautiful because you carry the gospel. May you create a ridiculous scenario. You know, that never happens with me. When you get to heaven, you don't really want to be the only guy at the beach with Crocs on, do you? 
right? St. Peter sees you. You know, that's how these goofy jokes work, right? He sees you and you take your Crocs off and he goes, Ooh, look at them ugly feet. Didn't you share the gospel with anyone? Now, of course, again, I'm, I'm kidding, right? You're not going to have ugly feet in heaven, okay? If you did, it wouldn't be heaven for the rest of us. But you get the point, right? It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, again, maybe some of you are thinking, look, I'm not a preacher. You're right. It's actually worse than that. You're more responsible because not are you just a preacher if you're a Christian. Okay? If you're an unbeliever, you're off the hook for now. Until you become a believer. If, I, if, you're, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, I'm talking to you. You're not just a preacher. According to the Word of God, you are a priest. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but have now obtained mercy. He's called us to be preachers of the gospel, to have beautiful feet. I want to share with you guys, again, if you've been around for the last couple of months, you've probably heard me go on and on about this mission statement. Uh, it's what we pray through every Monday morning. You're invited tomorrow morning at 6. Uh, we pray through this mission statement, and the Lord is being so faithful to actually, uh, you know, shouldn't surprise me, He gave it to us and then said, okay, now watch me do it. Um, but here it is. Here's the mission statement for Calvary Chapel of the Lakes. We are pursuing collectively and individually to know Jesus and make Him known through teaching disciples, preaching the gospel, and reaching the world. On purpose, we highlighted or um, made dark those words individually and preaching the gospel. Because what the Lord wants out of this body is to impact the, the community that's around us, right? And that means not just preaching the gospel here in this safe room, but individually preaching the gospel. Okay? You can take that away if you want. So let me get this straight. First Peter 2 says it, that you're priest. You're supposed to be sharing this gospel. Our, our mission statement says it. Jesus said it in Matthew 28. I'm sending you out. So really we kind of have no excuse to sit here with ugly feet. I want to share with you guys the, uh, the outline for this morning. The lost need us to open our mouths. Number two, the lost need us to open our Bibles. Number three, the Lord has opened heaven wide open for sinners. And lastly, the Lord waits with open arms. Okay, here we go. Launching into the outline now. The lost need us to open our mouths. We left off at Romans chapter 10. Verse 13, with this, and it's so small, but it's such a great proclamation. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Chapter 10, verse 13 doesn't say for the really good people, the nice people. No, who, whoever, sinners just like you and me, whoever calls on his name will be saved. And then we launch right into verse 14. Well, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's you. That's me. Verse 15. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Now that one's been taken care of. Jesus did that. Matthew 28. Okay, the Great Commission. Here's Paul's point. The lost need us to open our mouths. When you look at it, verse 14, Paul is tracing, this is awesome, he's tracing the salvation of a single soul backwards. Uh, If you were here last week, uh, first service and second service, somebody got saved in each one, right? When that person uh, came into the kingdom, it was because it says um, they called on him, right? And he traces this backwards. He says, look, before they called on him, they believed upon him, right? He says, and before they believed upon him, they had to hear about him. And how in the world would they have heard about him unless someone had opened their mouths? Verse 13, whoever calls upon Jesus will be saved. Okay? The reason that someone was saved last week, that I pray someone will be saved this week, is that someone is opening their mouth about Jesus. Let me put it this way. Everyone you meet in heaven will be there because someone opened their mouth. Someone like you. Like the person that opened their mouth for you. If it was weeks ago or years ago. Maybe just the person who invited you to church. Everybody in heaven is going to be there because somebody opened their mouth. Verse 17, look at it real quick. This is important. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now if you're a Christian and you're like me, I have to say that some of my faith, and maybe more and more of my faith, actually comes by reading the Word of God. Right? But this is really important. What's the context here? Paul is talking about unbelievers. And he says, look, for unbelievers, faith comes almost exclusively by hearing. Not by reading, by hearing. Let me put it this way. Unbelievers are auditory learners. How many unbelievers do you know that regularly read the Bible? The, the unbeliever does not set his agenda this way. Okay, I'm going to get hammered Friday night. I'm going to cuss at my kids and yell at my wife, look at some pornography, and I need to set aside some time to read the Bible. It doesn't happen. And how in the world will that person have a chance to be saved except by hearing? He's an auditory learner. And how's he going to hear unless there's a preacher? You. Well, last time, actually, we talked even about the religious believer, right? Because churches are filled with people who are um, they're trying to check off the box, right? They're trying to make God happy by doing all these things. That's what we talked about last time. And you might perhaps argue with me at first and say, well, what about them? And they read the Bible, right? But we're talking about the guy who goes, or girl who goes to church. They still don't have any relationship with Jesus. They're trying to make it into heaven by being good. Just like the Jews that Paul was trying to reach. See, that person might read the scriptures over and over again. They might read them every day out of obligation. But they never hear the gospel. It never clicks. They never hear the message. Look, salvation is a free gift. They can keep reading the words ad nauseum. But Paul says, look, faith, saving faith comes by 
hearing the word of God. I mean, again, be pretty blunt and bold here. How will that religious person that you know? Because maybe some of you thought, you know, the person that I'm, I, I would be the most surprised to see in heaven is actually a person that goes to church a lot. But they don't, they don't get it. They're trying to work their way to heaven. How will that person hear unless you or someone opens their mouth? See, the lost need us to open our mouths. Your neighbors need you to open your mouth. Your boss, whoever it is, the people that, you, that God has planted you in and around, they need you to open your mouth. Verse 15, he says, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Sent. The word is apostello. It means to be sent out on a mission with a message. Again, Matthew 28, Jesus sent each one of us out. Right at the at, in the Great Commission, those uh, few verses, I uh, believe 19 to 20, he just says, "I'm sending you out into the world. Go and uh, preach the gospel. Make disciples of all men, of all nations." Right? Apostello. That's this word here. It means sent. It's the place we get the word apostle. So if you think about it, this is actually a really good day for you, promotion-wise. You came in being a, just a saint, and then all of a sudden you're a priest. Now you're an apostle, meaning you are sent with a mission. Now, Paul's quoting from Isaiah. um, Look at the middle of verse 15. I think, again, it's chapter 52. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How many of you sometimes when you when you're nervous, when you're like, oh, I don't can't share, can't share the gospel, that kind of thing. And and I I probably sound like I'm uh, I don't understand your plight. I think I really do. I keep telling the folks that are showing up to the evangelism thing, it's just crazy that God would give me this vision because I truly feel like I'm the most introverted of, uh, of the, a lot of the people I know. Yes, I can teach, but it's a whole different thing to share the gospel. Long story short, my question was, and this is why, because I can't even keep track of my, my own sentences. Um, how many of you... Sometimes when you're nervous about sharing, it's because you feel like you're giving people bad news. Right? I mean, you're like, I don't want to tell them because they'll be mad. They'll think that I'm judging them or all of those things, right? Please notice all of the beautiful words in this verse. How it says, beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. What's gospel? Good news. It says the gospel of what? Peace. Peace. That means peace with God. Who bring glad tidings. That's a good thing. Of good things. That last word there is agathos. It means good, pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy. This, y'all, this is a really huge point, And I know you know it, but let's remind ourselves. We've got good news. It's not bad news. It's really, really good news. That heaven is wide open for sinners. Um, by the way, the, the people that wear the signs, you know, that say... Look, you are going to hell, and they seem happy about it. Right? The, the folks that tell a half-truth, which is this, this is true, without Jesus, you are condemned. But they just stop there. They leave off the, the last half of that truth, which is the most important part. Yes, you are condemned to die, but here's the, the key thing. Jesus was condemned in your place. He took your place because he loves you. 
If you wear a sign that says, look, you're going to hell and that's where your story ends, you've got really ugly feet. But here we are called to have beautiful feet. The quote is from Isaiah 52. Check this out. He's talking about a messenger. This is, if you go back to the quote, you'll see it. Talking about a messenger that would come to the Jews. The Jews are all scattered all over everywhere in captivity. Okay? They, they don't have a homeland. They are scattered because of their sin. The messenger in, this, in Isaiah 52 that he's talking about with beautiful feet, he comes to each one of these places and he says, the war is over. God is inviting you back into the homeland. Now don't you think that the messenger that went all of these places has got some pretty right feet, right? He's been traveling a lot. I don't think that would matter to the recipient if the recipient really understood what the message was, right? You wouldn't hear the, uh, the, guy, the messenger go, Hey, I've got all this great news. The war is over. You're free to come home. And the other guy go, Dude, those feet, they're so right. Stay away. No. If he actually hears the message, I get to go home. There's no more war. God's not mad at me anymore. He'd be willing to kiss those feet. Right? He would be thanking that messenger for making the trip and being willing to open his mouth. This is really important. Y'all, this is our message. We come with glad tidings of good, joyful, happy news. We have the gospel, it says, of the peace with God. Your message that you are privileged to to share is this. God is not mad at you. The war is over. You are free to come home to God. God, Christ came to rescue sinners. Whoever will may come. God sent His Son to pay the penalty for your sin. To pay your ransom. You can now have intimate fellowship with a holy and righteous God. Christian. You've got good news. And the lost need us to open our mouths. Now here's the deal. And you know it. That some are not going to listen. We need to open our mouths. But he tells us actually in the very next verse. Some aren't going to listen. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. The word obeyed there is hypokuo. Uh, we get the second part of the word aku, acoustics. That's how you hear. What he's saying is... Look, they've all heard, but they haven't all listened. They've all heard uh, the message, but they haven't all responded the way that you'd want them to. See, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? They've all heard. They have not all listened. This is, I'm thankful for it. Paul is just being real here. He's like, "Uh, look, you're going to share the good news. And not everybody is going to say, awesome. Can we pray right now? Where, where can I be baptized? Right? Um, hey, where's your church? I want to. Can I start tithing right this second? It's not going to happen that often, right? Though you open your mouth, not everyone will have open ears, and you just need to know that. Verse sixteen is quoting from Isaiah fifty-three. Now, this is awesome, at least to me, um, and that's what matters, right? Um, Isaiah fifty-three. Most of you, or some of you know it, um, if you were preaching to a, a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, this is a place you'd want to go. 
And this is a place they wouldn't want you to go. Isaiah 53, it talks about by His stripes we are healed. It talks about Him paying the, the price for our iniquity. It talks about all of these things that are graphic, many of them. It's not how the, the typical Jew wants to see His Messiah. Isaiah 53 is exactly the gospel. Interesting that this verse right here, Lord, who has believed our report? You know where it is? It's in Isaiah 53, verse 1. It's like Isaiah, before he launches into it, goes, Okay, Lord, I'm laying it out here. I'm laying the gospel. Not much response. Nobody's really paying attention here. I'm saying it. I'm opening my mouth, but they're not opening their ears. Look, that's just the way that it is. Jesus said that sharing the gospel is like laying out seed. It's like a guy who throws seed on the ground, right? Sometimes that seed hits like rock hard surface and it just bounces off and nothing happens. Sometimes though, uh, that, seed, that seed may find, find ground that's um, not very deep. So it sprouts up and it looks really good for, for just a little bit, but then it withers. Jesus says, look, sometimes you'll find ground where it, it grows up and it looks pretty good, but then it gets caught up in the weeds. He says, but sometimes, and this is what makes it worth it all, you find rich, deep soil that allows the seed, the Word of God, to sink in and produces a bumper crop of growth. That's why you do it. So here's the question. Paul's saying, look, you need to open your mouth, but he's saying not everybody's going to have open ears. What do you do about that? I say just open your mouth and relax. You just need to kind of know your role. First uh, Corinthians, <laughs> excuse me, Paul would talk about, look, I plant the seed. Apollos waters the seed. Right? The idea is that maybe I'll go out and I'll be brave tomorrow and share with somebody the gospel. And they'll go, eh, whatever. Bang. It just bounced off like a BB on a skillet. Right? But then... A month later, you meet the same person. And what I did, I thought I was putting a seed in the ground, but instead it turns out I was just watering, just loosening up the ground just a little bit. And then you come in and all of a sudden it, it plants. But then somebody else comes along and uh, waters it some more. And all of a sudden you actually have a little sprout, right? Paul says, look, just open your mouth. And maybe you're planting, maybe you're watering, whatever you're doing... All I know is this, Paul says, God brings the increase. God is the one who does the supernatural thing if we just will open our mouths. Okay? Um, let, me, let me try to tie it up here succinctly, that part of it. Your job is not to open ears. Your job is just to open your mouth. Right? You, you should pray. It's a wise thing. Lord, open the ears of these folks who you're calling me to speak to. But your job really is only to open your mouth and let God do the rest. Um, the lost need us then to open our mouths, but also, and this is really important. I said that last time too, probably, right? The lost need us to open our Bibles. Not just our mouths, but the Bibles. Look at verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, we looked at this verse already in one regard, which is, look, unbelievers are, 
auditory learners, they're not going to hear unless, um, unless someone opens their mouth, right? But what I want you to notice now is the second half of verse 17. It says, faith comes by hearing, and real hearing, this is important, only comes by the word of God. Let me put this as plainly as I know how. Your neighbors, the ones that you prayed for before we, before we began this message. All the people that you know that are right now on the wide road to destruction. They need you to open your mouth, but they really need you to open your Bible. They need you to read the Bible. Yes, open your mouth, but also open the Word. Think about this. If they are auditory learners, you are their Bible. And Jesus says, whatever's in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. And whatever comes out of your mouth, you're a Christian to them. They'll hear it as gospel. When you have that opportunity, when God, you're praying and you're asking the Lord for opportunity and you have that opportunity and someone is, is willing, they're opening themselves up to hear the precious words of God life-giving words, will you have the Word of God to give them? Because whatever's in you is going to come out. Or will they hear the word of Oprah? Or the word of Rush? Or the word of Glenn? Are you putting the Word into your heart so they can hear the actual life-giving Word? See, none of the words, maybe it's the word of Wall Street. Whatever it is that you're putting in is going to come out. The only words that will give them life is the word of God. You get it? The auditory learners in our lives need for us to open the Bible. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, but doesn't Jesus say that when that time comes, he'll just give me the words, right? When, I, when I'm called before uh, the, the people that are accusing me and all that stuff. Won't he just give me the words that I need? I don't really need to read the Bible, right? He'll do that supernaturally. Well, John 14, Jesus says in verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. It says bring to your remembrance. How do you bring to remembrance something which was never put in? What the Holy Spirit does, the, the really cool thing, is that he takes the Rolodex of your heart that you put, you're like, I just read that, and boy, I don't even know if it made any sense. I just faithful to, to put the word in my heart. And all of a sudden, he says, Rolodex, uh, there you go. Give that one to that person. I cannot tell you how many times the, the Lord teaches me something in my quiet time or in preparation for Sunday or Thursday, and then all of a sudden he sends someone to me that I have the answer for them. I didn't realize it was for them, but I do. Can I really, really be bold here and, and say, if you won't have a quiet time for yourself, would you have it for the lost? Because faith comes by hearing. Saving faith comes by hearing the word of God through the, the mouthpiece of the Christian. See, the lost need us to open the word and to open our mouths because this is where it gets really good. The Lord has opened heaven 
to sinners. That's the message. Look at verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. What we think Paul is probably doing here, he's probably defending his own uh, ministry. Because don't you, don't you know the, the Jews were pretty upset with him. Why do you just keep going all over the world spreading this stuff, uh, letting Gentiles into the kingdom? What is your problem, right? And some of them are saying, but, but wait, if you're talking with the Gentiles, what about the Jews? Will they not hear? Well, Paul is, is referring to that. He says, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. He's referring to um, Psalm 19. And we won't talk about this a lot because we covered it pretty in-depth back in the first couple chapters of Roman, Romans. Um, basically, it's this, that, that argument that you'll get when you do share the gospel. Somebody will go, but hey, but what about the guy on the island? The guy that's never heard specifically Jesus' name. I mean, is, what about him? Is, is, he, is God going to send him to hell, right? Again, I'll try to go really fast because we've already covered it. You can get the CD um, or, or listen online at ccotl.org. Um, real quick, here's the, the way that you should deal with that is, number one, if somebody's talking to you and you've just shared the gospel with them, uh, hello, you are not that guy. You're not the guy on the island because I just came to you. Okay. Number two, God himself is opening his mouth to that guy. He's doing it through creation. That's what Psalm 19 says. As a matter of fact, let me read that for you. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all of the earth and their words to the end of the world. What Paul is saying is, look, everybody that you share with, if they try to derail you, whatever, all I know is they don't have an excuse. Because he says, even the, the guy on the island, every sky is a canvas declaring the glory of God. Every day is a sermon. Every night is a teaching. Every breath you take are your lungs reminding you that God created air for you. So that you could live and breathe and be sustained. Again, I shared this with the oxygen levels exactly right so that when you sneeze, you don't blow up. That's good. All of it says is that God is a genius and that he cares about humanity. Paul says, look, don't worry about the guy on the island because God himself opens up his mouth with the gospel of creation. Okay? And, and again, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but you also notice that Jesus is in the business of seeking and saving that which is lost. He'll go to the ends of the earth, of the earth to save us all. Okay, verse 19. Paul says, But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. So again, Paul's saying, okay, you're, you're asking me all these questions about Israel. Look, did they not hear? Of course they've heard. I've been relentless. The, the gospel is going out all over the known world. Yeah, the guy on the island, don't worry about them. Okay. And then he says, now Israel, did Israel not know? Is anybody in Israel going to be able to say, look, I didn't, didn't know? Well, he, he quotes Moses. He says, look, I will provoke you to jealousy. Speaking, speaking to Israel, this is God speaking to Israel. I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. The ongoing question, chapters 9, 10, and 11 is this. What about Israel? 
How come there are Gentiles just flooding into God's family and yet God's chosen people, the Jews, seem to be on the outside looking in? Paul says again, look, there's no change of plans. This isn't God going with plan B. All along, God knew this. He told it to Moses who told it to us. God saying to Israel, look, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. Hello, that's us. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Congratulations, that's us. If you're a Gentile, right? I shared this with the first service. I had to exempt uh, Walter and Adrian. They're Jews who are saved by the Messiah. But most of us here are part of the foolish nation, Gentiles. I think I shared this with you. 12% of all Nobel Prize winners came from 0.1% of all human population. That's how smart Israel is. And there's no real good way to put this. Gentiles in general are less intelligent. But what this says is... I'm just talking about some of you. No, um... What this says is that the Jews, as smart as they are, they miss their own Messiah. And that we foolish Gentiles are the beneficiaries. We get to come flooding into the kingdom of God. He says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Have you ever noticed when you give a a child a, a toy that sometimes they're not interested, but then you give that same toy to the person that's sitting next to them, another kid? All of a sudden, the kid is like, that is the greatest toy in the world. I want that back. You see, what this is saying is that God is waiting patiently for Israel to notice that we are enjoying their Messiah. Now, I don't know if that's not particularly flattering to us Gentiles. That God is basically using me, a not-so-smart kid, to make his older son jealous. But you know what? I can handle it because... All I get out of the deal is salvation, forgiveness of my sin, a free trip to heaven. I'm good with that. Verse 20, but Isaiah is very bold and says, it gets worse, you Gentiles. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. Isaiah is even bolder about us Gentiles. He says, look, they're not just not so smart. They're not so motivated either. Right again, Paul's message last week, the Jews were working really hard, the religious person, I'm working, 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 working so hard, and surely God will be happy with me. And the Gentile comes and goes, stumbles over Jesus and says, oh, look at what I found. The righteousness of God given to me as a gift. I know I've, I've tried to beat this into you. And I, a couple of weeks ago I was nervous that I hadn't, but I think maybe I have, let's see. The righteousness of God is not a condition you can achieve. It's a commodity you must receive. Right? The Gentile comes and goes, look what I found. It's a commodity that you will give me. Lord Jesus, my filthy unrighteousness, you'll switch out your righteousness for me? See, overall, the whole message here that that Paul is getting at is that heaven is open wide for sinners to foolish people. A whole nation of fools. Maybe here this morning, you've come and you're like, look, I've just, I've blown it too, too badly. I'm just too wicked. 
I've been too foolish. I've made such foolish decisions with my life. Welcome to the club. This is, this is how we are. We are the foolish nation that just stumbles upon the righteousness of God and, and says, Yes, Lord, I believe I will receive your righteousness in place of mine. If you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've not been born again, I believe that God brought you here today. I've been asking Him to bring you here today. Maybe you have a life that's wrecked full of sin. You've made foolish choices. You think, I could never get into God's heaven. Well, you're right and wrong. That is, He, he cannot take you the way you are. You'll ruin heaven. But... He's shown that He has a plan to trade out your unrighteousness for the righteousness of God to make you pure, clean, right, holy, perfectly fit for heaven. Okay? Last point, and this will be quick. God is now standing, right now, with open arms. Look at verse 21. But to Israel, He says, All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Again, to answer the question, Paul says it's not that God is done with Israel. He is still standing with his arms wide open, stretched out, saying, come to me. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I can make you white as snow. So chapter 10 then closes with the picture of a holy God with his arms wide open. I wish that it was a picture with his arms wide open and everyone coming to him. But it's not. It's a picture of his arms wide open and his creation being disobedient and contrary. That is rejecting him. A people refusing to receive his grace. Let me ask you as we close. Which group do you belong to today? Are you in verse 19 and 20 where you're just an unworthy, foolish person who stumbled upon Jesus and, hey, I will take this commodity. Lord, give me your righteousness in place of my filthy rags. Or are you spoken of in verse 21? God has his arms wide open to you and you're saying, no, no, disobedient, contrary, no, I will not. I pray that it's the former and not the latter. Because the Bible says, while it's still called today, it says all day long, right? There's, there's a coming a time when no man can work, when all decisions will be ratified, final, done. For you, that day could be as you leave here. Who knows? Please, please, don't be in the latter category, rejecting God. Be in the former category. Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'll take you up on this wonderful gift you're offering me.